0: This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island. And I have a question for you. Could it be that you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond livestream?
1: This is a top pocket find,
0: mate, for sure. Hey, welcome everybody to the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond stream. I am your host, Jeff Freeman, and today uh, we do uh, have Carmen with us. Uh, Tom Burns is stepping in to help out, and of course, Alessandra Nadovari, co-hosting. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Um, Hi.
2: Hey there. I was going to say quickly, I'm not Carmen Lake. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Uh, unfortunately, Carmen was having some internet issues. Uh, we do have him. He is on the phone right now. Go ahead. I welcome Carmen. Thank you for coming.
3: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Alexandra. Hi, everybody. How's it going in this uh, beautiful technology
0: <laughs> well, well, we we've kind of got it worked out now. At least we have you on the phone. Um, and I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to actually put up your picture. There we go. Now I've got your picture up there. there. Is it? So at least we have your picture of course n- nobody can see that uh that your beard uh that you've grown there for the winter um <laughs> that we saw just a little bit ago but uh thank you for coming carmen i'm glad you're here with us today
3: very good yeah my beard keeps me uh, quite warm in the winter time <laughs> uh, minus 14
0: right here now oh really oh That's my nice. oh my goodness yeah, I know. Uh, I woke up this morning. It was uh, about negative one here where I live. And that's that's Fahrenheit, negative one Fahrenheit in uh, uh, western Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, quite, quite cold for sure. That's that's plenty cold enough. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is indeed. Um, so anyway, sorry, folks, that I uh, had we had to do it this way. But uh, unfortunately, um, uh, like I said, Carmen, as is experiencing some uh uh, internet difficulties. So we got at least we got him on the phone. So he's here with us today, and I'll, I'll keep that picture up uh, of him. Um, so you know, and and again, you know, uh, Alessandro was co-hosting with me today, and we asked Tom to step in. So at least we've got somebody else to to uh, bug Carmen with some questions and whatnot as we go along. But basically, I was telling Carmen we just want to spend a nice afternoon and talk some stories and uh, uh, get a little bit of background uh, if we can from you. Um, I know we had you on the show last year, um, and I kept to keep remembering 2021 being last year now. Um, and we covered quite a bit of stuff going back about your past on, you know, uh, blacksmithing and the fact that you're also an author. And I, I you wrote the book about the is it the use and care of oxen? Was that what it was?
3: Yes, oxen their care training and use.
0: Care training and use, yeah.
3: It's a, it's a book I uh, started writing in 2010. It was published in 2012, and um, uh, I've had a lot of uh, sales, mostly in the eastern part of the United States.
0: And so, um, what what prompted that? I mean, I know that you you know you and I talked last time, and so when it comes to your um, the blacksmithing. Uh, you, you know, there's the guy, the farriers that take care of the horses. You stick primarily with the oxen, right?
3: Yes, I do. Yeah, I do horses occasionally. If they have to be uh, some corrective shoeing done, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'll do those horses. Mainly, I do the oxen because there's not very many uh, people that do oxen. There's a lot of farriers out there, and I don't want to take any work away from farriers.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, what prompted the book that you wrote? about the oxen
3: Uh, well if you can go to your local library and you'll find a a book about how to uh raise and take care Uh, of horses uh, very hard to find one about oxen and mm. the oxen the ox is still the animal that's mostly used in the world uh, especially in the third world developing countries Mm -hmm. and i thought it was important to write a book and uh, try to uh, pass on some of the knowledge before it got lost
0: oh absolutely Yeah, that's definitely, that's a very good thing. So, um, and you know,
2: go ahead, go ahead, Tom. I am just going to ask Carmen. So for the people that haven't heard you speak before and the oxen being so widely used, why would a person choose an oxen over a horse or why, what what would the background be for making that decision?
3: Uh, several reasons or why, uh, the main, uh, several reasons I'll just list off a few. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, If you're in a developing country, which we were at one time, not too far in the distant past, um, if you had a cow and it was bred, you would have a a calf. If the calf was a bull, there was a source of of, uh, draft power. Um, So besides your milk and butter and cheese and and, uh, ice cream and so on, you had draft power from the bull. Um, You would uh, use him neutered of course and uh, you could use them alone or you could use them uh, in pairs which they would normally use that ox was able to eat very meager food um, meadow grass leaves poor quality hay whatever Uh, it could go places where a horse can't go it doesn't get excited like a horse Mm -hmm. two of the main reasons is a horse has a lot of health problems and if you have lots of money, you can afford to play with a horse. But as a pioneer, you couldn't afford that, so you had to use a healthier, healthier animal. Um, you know, a horse has spavins and heaves and colic and distemper and founder, and it just goes on and on. Was an ox? It was a very healthy animal. And at the end of the day, when you was done, you could always eat him. <laughs> <laughs> What's for supper? You know, yeah, you can eat a horse too.
4: But
0: right, yeah, right, yeah. But I don't know. That's Wow, well, that's. Very- I have
4: a, I have a question for Carmen, if I may. Yes, please. Carmen, what's the difference between a horseshoe and an ox shoe? Do they look the same?
3: Uh, a horseshoe is one piece of you that fits on one foot. Uh, the ox shoes come in two pieces for every foot. So an ox has two claws. That also gives the ox the ability to go places where a horse can't. Mm. An ox can use his claws to actually, well, you, you've you probably seen mountain goats hanging on the side of a cliff.
4: Yeah. Yes. ox
3: can't quite do that, but they can do it a lot better than, uh, we'll say, a horse. If a horse was on a, a, a rocky terrain, which is the reason why you don't see very many horseshoes on uh, Oak Island, mm. if you're on rocky terrain and a horse steps on a rock or a tree or something that has an edge onto it, he might break his ankle.
2: Oh, wow so so the ox would have a split hoof then as opposed to a horse which would be a solid hoof would that be right
3: that's right that's right wow. so for one team of oxen, you need 16 shoes For one team of horses you only need eight
0: right wow and that's that really does help you to be an expert you know obviously you mentioned about oak island and all the ox shoes that have been found on oak island that you've looked at um, and I'm sure you've only looked at a small portion of what they've actually found, but that does make you an expert on these being able to, cause I've heard you say you've looked at them and you said, okay, this one's English and, and, you know, and you, you're able to identify them. What would kind of be the identifying marks between one that's made, let's say in, in Nova Scotia or in Canada versus, or America versus, excuse me, versus one that's made over in, uh, in, uh, New England.
3: Uh, or England Well
0: either. UK
3: not not to go into a great lot of detail but um, basically in this area I have the opportunity to stud, study English German and French shoes from about uh, 1600 up to the present day um, when you have made nearly 10,000 shoes and you shod probably um uh i probably shot about four thousand in uh, in my career wow um you see, kind of uh, discern the different uh, characteristics of the of the different nationalities of the mm-hmm. shoes throughout the time period now it does change a little over the years and so on but um i'll start off with a french shoe a french shoe is very minimal the front half is very uh thin Uh, The back half has a a round lobe onto it, Mm -hmm. but it's a shoe basically for the rim of the foot. The German shoe has a a pad onto it that goes from front to back, side to side, so it completely covers the whole foot. I see. French didn't believe that they had to do that. The English came along and they had a really good sole or a pad, but the toe portion was really cut out or really um, bent around. The English English style shoe was sort of halfway between a French style and a a German style. Also, the, the corks on an English shoe are parallel. corks on a French shoe are usually at an angle.
0: And I also know that you've talked about the difference between the winter shoe, which I'm I, I, in the summer shoe. I guess the winter, the winter shoe have like more like grip, I guess, for the ice and snow, I, I suppose.
3: So the winter shoes, the corks are fairly sharp, not sharp enough to cut flesh, mm-hmm. but sharp enough to dig into the ice okay. or hard packed snow. Right. The summer shoes, the corks are very, very thick. And why? Because it has to take a lot of abrasion on rocks and gravel.
0: I see. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Um, We do have a couple questions that are popping up from the chat. Um, Jan Scorza was asking a question for Carmen. When did you get started into blacksmithing and who introduced you to the profession?
3: Uh, Well, that's an interesting story. Uh, When I grew up, Dad's cousin who just lived up the road here had a blacksmith shop and he was always blacksmithing and shoeing oxen and making yokes, making hinges and uh, anything blacksmithing wise. And I, I used to hang around there when I was eight, 10, 12, 14 years old. Fascinated with the sparks flying and the stories being told in the blacksmith shop. It was always a fun day. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of learned a little bit, but it wasn't something that I thought I was going to be doing later on in life. Um. Uh, I studied to be an electrician, and I found out I didn't really like heights, so I went on to do uh, doing wood producing. I always had the, uh, like, if I had to have a piece of iron made or something like that, I didn't go to the hardware store and bought it. I just made a fire in the wood stove and, and made it myself, right? Mm-hmm. So I had that interest in, in, the, in the blacksmithing. Um, his name was Clifford Leg, and... Uh, Clover started working for the Ross Farm Museum many, many, many years ago. And he taught a uh, fellow by the name of Stephen Workman. And when Stephen uh, he worked there, I think for about 16, 17 years. And when he was um, retiring or going on to another position, he taught me uh, more so uh, about blacksmithing, shoeing, uh, making shoes uh things like that so in a way clevert leg taught me through Stephen workman
0: Hmm.
3: that's 20 years ago
0: wow so did so you did you you didn't attend one of the questions that um i believe it was uh cat fulton was asking uh one of the he, he actually liked jan's question that was partly his question also and then he said um or cat i'm sorry i'm saying he uh, asked also, uh, did you attend a school to study for blacksmithing, or was it all taught by another blacksmith as you being an apprentice?
3: Uh, at, at the time, I was um, working as a blacksmith for a living. There were no schools available here in this area, I so see. We had, I had to learn from other blacksmiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I uh, learned from three. I learned from uh, Roy Levy, who was a longtime blacksmith left-handed, very uh, knowledgeable, uh, extremely, extremely good blacksmiths. I learned a lot from him. He was the type of person that didn't suffer fools. If you uh, made an effort, he would teach you. If he didn't make any effort, he wouldn't even waste his time. Right. So, And and Stephen Workman also taught me a lot about uh, blacksmithing. I also taught myself a lot about blacksmithing, especially when I had to know what the different nationalities were. Mm-hmm. Uh, did on the on their hinges and on their on their uh, trivets and 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 uh, you know door handles uh, suffolk norfolk whatever had to come along i had to know uh, how these were made how these were used um, mind you we did the old traditional ways of farming and forestry up till nineteen seventy five so a lot of the things you see on Oak Island, we use on a daily basis,
1: mm-hmm. just
3: older, and, uh, and the, the different time periods and different nationalities came into the picture. You pick up onto that. Um, I I learned from other blacksmiths since, but those two were the most instrumental in, in uh, well, uh, Roy Levy didn't give me uh, many compliments. He would say, this is no good, this is great. <laughs> improve on that you know get rid of this don't do that do this and so on yeah. many years afterwards he came along one day in, in passing in passing he just looked at me and he said i see you make a good shoe. Kept right on going <laughs>
0: and, and that I, that was probably the top the highest praise you would get from that man i it sounds like
3: it shocked me it was amazing yeah, yeah. And, uh, i just stood him i stood there and watched him walk away and i'm thinking Oh, my God.
4: (laughs) Carmen, what were the largest hinges that you have ever made?
3: Uh, I made some hinges for the uh, fortress in Halifax, uh, Citadel Hill. Uh, These hinges were probably about four feet long, uh, three-quarter inch thick, probably four inches wide. Wow. They were uh, (laughs) big, huge huge, spade hinges. Wow. And they were for the uh, the big doors that hang at the entrance.
0: Wow!
4: So, if people go to the Citadel Hill in Halifax right now, or you know today, they would they would see those hinges there on the gate.
3: Yes, they would. Yeah. Wow. Completely identical to the large English-style hinges that were there before, made exactly the same way. They even had the same hammer hammer marks. Wow! On the I wanted to make sure that they were absolutely uh, accurate reproductions.
1: Wow. That's really,
4: really
3: I have welcome. not been there to see them, but someday they're going to see somebody looking at these hinges, staring at them, wondering what's <laughs> going on.
4: Well, wait, wait, wait. You haven't been there to see your work on display?
3: Not yet, no.
0: Oh, wow.
4: Okay. <laughs> All right, then maybe you and I can go together.
3: <laughs> yeah, that would be a real neat idea.
4: Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I,
2: I see Michelle had a question there, and I I didn't know this, but uh, she's wondering why Nova Scotia uses uh, head collars instead of yokes on oxen. I didn't even know there was different types of rigging oh, harnessing wow. for oxen. Uh,
3: not not quite accurate. We use a head yoke, which is a French style or a German style. Um, the uh, Americans and uh, out west here in Canada, they use a lot of bow yokes. So the the head yoke is strapped onto the horns. The bow yoke is wrapped around the neck. Okay. Uh, both equally well uh, ways of transferring power. Um, with a bow yoke, they tend to slide around and bang their heads more. Mm. With a head yoke, they have more control over rough terrain, which we have here in Nova Scotia. Wow. Uh, I was told the other day that we grow rocks here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that from a few people. They uh, Colin Jameson, who uh, he lives uh, about five miles from uh, Oak Island. Uh, he goes out in his boat quite a bit and um, takes pictures for us. And he's been co-hosting with me. And he said, "Yeah, he said kind of the same thing. You go out in in his yard and try to dig, and it's just a ch- what a chore because of the rocks,
3: many rocks. Yeah, um, I remember go ahead. Uh, there was there was a local lake here, and I wanted to uh, go fishing." for um smallmouth bass. And I went to the local sporting goods store to get a map. And there was an old fella sat in the corner smoking on his pipe, and he said, what do you want a map for? He said, do you want to know where the rocks are in the lake? I said, yes, exactly. I don't want to bump into them. He said, don't worry, they're everywhere. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> Carmen, we- when, when did oxen first arrive in Nova Scotia?
3: Uh. They came here in 1610 when uh de Demong, I think, uh, arrived in Annapolis Royal and he brought the auction over in 1610.
1: Wow. Uh,
3: they they tried bringing horses over earlier, but it was an unsuccessful uh, uh, trip. Uh, horses don't survive very well on, on ships. Mm. It was only until 1670 when they realized that they, they slung a horse in the hold. Of a ship uh, in hammocks so that the horses' feet were off of the uh, floor, mm-hmm. then they mm-hmm. would not um, die on the way over. Wow. But 1610, the oxen, again, are very hardy animals and they survived the trip, came here in 1610. Uh, mind you, they were only small, maybe 1,100, 1,200 pound uh, Normandy style oxen. Mm-hmm.
4: Normandy?
0: Normandy, They're,
4: yeah. They were from Normandy. Mm-hmm. In that
0: area there, yes. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, we had a, a couple of comments that have popped up uh, from people watching, and they're uh, they're pretty interested uh, in very, you know, we got quite a few people watching right now, Carmen, so uh, I'm glad we at least got you on the phone. Uh, the Awoken one had, was just making a comment, and he said, I like how the fellowship can just turn up at Carmen's humble abode uh, with anything metal, and Carmen can tell them exactly what it is, and approximately what area it comes from uh he said that's really impressive and that it truly is and that's you know um how did that how did that come about now that we're on that subject i mean uh i think you and i talked about this briefly once before but explain if you could how did that come about where did they decide oh hey i know somebody that has you know can tell us what this is i mean how did that start
3: oh um Doug Crowell, who was one of the researchers on Oak Island Mm -hmm. uh, years ago, was president of the uh, local museum here called the King's County Museum. Okay. And um, he was sort of leaving the presidency and uh, starting to become involved in uh, Oak Island. Uh, I know at the time he was also um, working for NSCC. Uh, They were looking for somebody that could identify all the metal objects that were coming out of the ground wanted to know if I could and I said well yeah I've been working at the Ross Farm Museum researching all the, all the, I'm a bookworm so I tend to look up all these things in the books mm-hmm. and I can I can uh, you know mind you when you when you read a, a book that's researched on some of these artifacts they that some of them are wrong so you have to do more research to find the correct uh, Nomenclature of these of these items, right but by doing that, I get to the point where I can uh, pretty well identify what the items items are and in what age, and the nationality is something that is pretty easy to tell.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Getting the year down, you know, you notice on the Curse of Oak Island, I tend to sometimes have to spread my years over a hundred hundred years or uh, right. at least fifty. Every once in a while, I get it down to twenty or thirty years. But it's just being exposed to this stuff day after day after day. Uh, The the Ross Farm Museum has an unbelievable amount of uh, work that comes there for reproduction and uh, research um, inquiries, and we have to explain to them what this is and what that is and so on. And I'm I'm involved on the board that takes these items in uh, at a cost, mind you, and uh, decipher what they are and what time period and what nationality. Again, we concentrate on English, German, and French. Hmm.
4: Carmen, which item from Oak Island surprised you the most that they brought to you for identification?
0: That you can talk about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so
4: uh, I, yeah, I, which, I, 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 which I metal object?
3: That I got wrong. One was on air and one was off air. Um, I won't go any further than no. <laughs> that. Okay. I got it wrong. But, um, the one off air, I don't know. It's, uh, I I still don't know what it, what it is, Hmm. but I'd say the most interesting item, most interesting item. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say to me was the, um, the swages that were used for Ah. sharpening rock drills.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep.
3: Now I would, when, uh, if you remember seeing the swages, do you remember seeing one or two?
0: Um, there were two, I believe. Two, but they pull. were
4: two halves of the same swage, yes?
3: Exactly, Alexander. Ah, I see? A lot of people know that, but they were two pieces of the same one.
0: I'm going to pull up a picture real quick. As soon as I find it here, I've got, oh, here we go. Okay, well, it's not a great picture, but I'm going to show a picture while, you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Carmen. I'm going to show this picture while you're talking. Okay.
3: Uh, that is two pieces of the same swage. Uh, it also indicates the size of the rock drill that was sharp. And so um, from that swage, the amount of impact that that went through and knowing what that type of swage, what is for and what it does and how it reacts when iron is being tempered and heated and so on and so forth, it just gave me an overall... Uh, uh, uh impression that a lot of work went into wow. oak island in far as tunneling and mining went and i, I just couldn't comprehend why uh, really uh, the, the total amount of work why would you do that why would you need to Yep. what was being hidden and also the the swage was broken and a lot of the artifacts are either one of when there should be many or they're broken. Hmm. That tends to be a theme throughout all the items that I've been shown. The only reason I get to see them is because they were broken and discarded.
2: Right. Yep. Which would then suggest that they had any operational or good ones left. They took them with them. Right.
3: They scoured the area for some reason. They didn't want to leave any, any, you know, like you see a link of a chain, well, where's the rest of the chain? You see one nail, where's the rest of the nails? Right. You see one, you ever seen a door with one hinge? <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
2: So the the swage itself, Carmen, like how would they use that to sharpen, say, an iron pick or an iron tool?
3: Um, that swage also had a big pole on the end of it as well. So when your rock drill gets a dull, it needs to be... Uh, Heated, shaped, and then retempered so that it can be hard enough to uh, drill a hole into rock or bust mm-hmm. rock in, uh, into. Um, once once the um, the rock drill is heated up, then it's shaped in the swage. Oh, okay. After it's shaped and resharpened, basically it's resharpened on the proper angle. A uh, little bit of a flare on the side so it don't get jammed in the hole. It's Put back in the forge and uh, reheat it and retempered so it comes back up to the proper hardness.
2: So it almost acts like a like a, a form of an anvil, almost a shaping anvil.
3: Hmm. It is, except for the swage was one that was used in the field, not so much in the in a in a, in a blacksmith in, shop where you could stick it in it, it was handheld, but the okay. forge would have been a local portable forge nearby.
0: I'm just um, writing down some other questions here. We had, uh, Wade was asking, um, uh, Carmen, how has your life changed since first appearing on the show? Has it created more business for your blacksmithing? (laughs) Uh,
3: uh, I would say about 25% of, uh, of what I do now, or I should say 25% of what I, what I started out on Oak Island was uh, consulting and, 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 Describing what i seen when I saw the artifacts, Uh, 75% of what I do is the same thing for other people now. Oh, wow. Uh, Every week I get inundated with probably uh, 15 to 20 different uh, people showing me different items from somebody in Pennsylvania trying to prove that there was Vikings there. uh, (laughs) uh, They uh, send me pictures. Sometimes they send me the item uh, in the mail and I look at it, send it back. Um, Even in Nova Scotia here, there's uh, places that are uh, just as old as far as time period goes, if not older. And uh, they get me to go and have a look at the items in in situ, sometimes not. And and, uh, that's about 75% of what I do
0: now. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting how that has changed for sure. Um, yeah. Cause you know, and like I was telling you the first time we spoke, you know, I was telling you, well, you're world renowned. Now you're a world renowned blacksmith um, because people all over the world watch this show. And we're all fascinated by the fact that when they do bring, you said you had, you got two things wrong, one off the air, one on the air, but I tell you what, that's a darn good record right there. Uh, in my opinion of Cubs. And of course, you know, like I was saying before, you probably seen, you know, we've probably only seen on the show maybe, what, 20% of the things that they've brought to you um, because all the rest of it just they, they never showed us. Um, so I, I, I got to say that that's, that's really fantastic that you're, that you're able to identify these things and then put an age to them. I mean, it's, it really is. It speaks to your uh, to your expertise. It really does.
3: I also enjoy it when they do a scientific study on these items, whether it be, um, uh, I can't remember, ERF. Um,
0: oh, the XRF. Um, yeah, the XRF analyzer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and the uh, CAT scan, they have a, now have a CAT scan mm-hmm. machine and so on and so forth. Um, it, it sort of uh, pleases me that the dates coming back on these items, even the wood, uh, dates on the wood items that are attached to metal items are coming back with the right time period, as I explained to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's 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 a nice feeling.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it vindicates you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 But and I think that we've all become, you know, at least for me anyway. Watching the show, I know that when they bring that to you, you when they say, okay, oh, when you tell them, you know, that oh, this is what this is, and the date range is this to this. I believe it. I mean, I don't. I don't even question it anymore. I say, well, Carmen knows what he's talking about. So, um, we did have one person ask a question. What is wrought iron? What 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 makes wrought iron? Why do they call it that? And what what is wrought iron?
3: Uh, rot is a, is an archaic word meaning worked. Okay. So if you take the iron out of the furnace and you start smacking it, mm-hmm. it's wrought iron.
0: Oh, okay, that's it uh, right off the bat. Oh, okay, I had no idea. I thought maybe there was some special quality to it other than being worked.
3: Hmm. No, sometimes if you're going around the countryside, you'll see a, a, a shingle out on the side of the, a building or a sign or whatever saying, "rod iron, "iron work" and so on and so forth.
0: Okay. Uh, that's
3: just a misnomer. They're fabricating iron. They're welding it together or whatever. They're not wrought iron at all. Rod iron is just iron that's worked. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the beginning, you took, the iron out of the out of the uh, kiln out of the furnace, and you uh, you uh, beat and pound onto it and, and make it into whatever you want. But um, we'll say in the middle of 1400s, they got the idea. Well, we can make more money if we take this iron and make it into the shape generally that we can sell. That becomes wrought iron.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
3: So it's not pig iron. It's not uh, right. cast iron. It's iron that's been worked so that they can um, add more so, to it and sell it, ship it.
2: So then the, t- the type of the metal that they're using now, or used, say, 400 years ago to make ox shoes or horseshoes, shoes, what, what would the difference in quality be between then and now? Or is it roughly the same, totally different?
3: No, the uh, iron used back then was basically all iron. We'll say 97% iron. It was very easy to work with, very easy to weld, very easy to shape. Characteristics were um, uh, pretty much the same for whatever area you come out of. If it came from uh, Massachusetts, uh, which was the first um, um, iron-making place here in North America, pretty much. Uh, it was very uh, consistent, but it was brittle. If it came from England, it was um, um, the consistency was not there because of the... Um, lack of elements that went into the iron but it was uh, it was not as brittle um, French uh, iron uh, tended to be uh, again uh, not brittle it was uh, a little better refined until the English caught up the German uh, again their uh, later time period metal had more introduction of uh, manganese cobalt phosphorus, uh, um, uh, even 10 and so on. So the the uh, iron that came from Germany was uh, about 79% iron and the rest was not. Whereas in English and uh, French, it was 97%. Same way with the uh, iron that came from America.
0: Hmm. Um, we have another uh, question from a viewer. And this is um, from Eli. Eli asked this question, saying, uh, uh, his daughter wants to be a blacksmith, which I think is really cool that young people want to get into this. And I I don't know how young his daughter is, but what advice would you give to someone wanting to get into blacksmithing? Just get started with it.
3: Uh, When I teach blacksmithing, I tend to uh, limit it to uh, no less than grade four students. Okay and just because when you get down below grade four or grade five the uh the strength is just not there
0: oh for sure yeah
3: Forty uh, 40 of my students are all women really yeah so interesting it's, uh, it's not traditional i mean the, the um i offer to teach them how to shoe an ox but they kind of pass on that <laughs> okay they, they tend to want to make um vines and leaves and and uh mm-hmm. trees and artwork and, and so on and so forth so uh, i would say 40 percent of my students are women
1: hmm.
0: that's uh, that's interesting so i guess the the answer to that question would be like you're doing with people is to find a blacksmith to have them and, and see if they're willing to teach you uh rather than a and, and i think that is that the basically the answer then
3: yeah, but don't go to one. Go to, uh, like I did, go to at least three.
0: Ah, okay.
3: And, and, and everybody has a different style. And, mm-hmm. or, and also, when you uh, look at the history here in Nova Scotia, there'll be several families uh, that that all had a different style and passed down to ge- uh, several generations. The Frasers, for example, over three generations, there were 17 Fraser blacksmiths. Wow. So they all had a certain style of Fraser. So if you see something coming from that area, you can recognize as Fraser mark, Fraser mark, or a Fraser style. Hmm. Um, and also down towards Yarmouth on the on the south shore, coming around there, the East and, uh, the western shore, they have another style as well. Um, when you get up on the Appledore and into the valleys, tend to go over to the English style, um, Lunenburg, western shore. Um, from there down to Halifax, you're back into German style and they're just a little bit difference. And sometimes there's uh, different blacksmiths that were very prolific over a 50 year period mm-hmm. and you'll see it. It's easy to pick up styles. If somebody uh, was used to my style and they looked at my shoes, they would know it was me. Wow. Uh, I've been told different times, you know, um, Bob was over to, uh, Ron's place the other day and he had a pair of Carmen shoes, right? They know,
0: they know. That's interesting because you would, it's like, I guess, listening to you describe that, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like you have a, a painter. You look at a painter's paintings and you go, oh, that's a, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a name. <laughs> Van Gogh. <laughs> a Van Gogh, yeah, exactly. That's a Van Gogh or that's a whatever. Uh, and same thing with a potter. But yeah, I never thought about that. At, at, in yeah. a. I mean, you can recognize a Van Gogh a mile away. Right. I never Carmen. thought about that in, in blacksmithing.
4: Carmen, when you're talking about different styles of blacksmithing and how you can tell that a certain blacksmith from a certain family made an item, do you see these styles on the items that were found on Oak Island? Can you tell that certain metal object that you examined on Oak Island came from one of these families?
3: Well, that's an interesting question because uh, I've been shown a lot of... uh shoes we'll say from uh, all around Nova Scotia, but I haven't seen anywhere such a concentration of different uh, sizes of shoes that I've seen on on Oak Island. Uh, On Oak Island, I've seen the smallest in Nova Scotia and I've seen the largest in Nova Scotia on Oak Island in one particular, I don't know, 170 acre uh, uh, spot, which kind of boggles my mind you would have to assume there was a lot of work there being done. The later shoes that you see on Oak Island are definitely German. So that probably would have been after the uh, Germans came to Lunenburg area there, which would have been, um, you have to help me out, Alexandra. I think it was in 1780,
4: was it? I don't know the exact year, but yes, there were German families brought
3: history,
1: to the Lunenburg
4: area because they were the Protestants, right? so yes. um, the British and,
1: and
4: were, right so the British were bringing Protestants to Nova Scotia from all over <laughs> Europe
3: hmm. yeah
0: oh that's interesting so Carmen um, the the, the different
2: size oxen shoes that you' that you've found or you've been shown could they possibly have been from from different eras so for example if somebody was there doing some work in you know 1650 they left they had a certain type of oxen somebody else reappeared 50 or 60 years later with a different size or uh, or oh, yeah. different source?
3: Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, from the ox shoes I've seen on Oak Island, I can say that there was a lot of activity between 1610 and 1650. There was also a lot of shoes on there that tells me that there was act, a lot of activity exactly 100 years later. So from about 1730 up to about 1750, 1760, there's another period of ox shoes found there that... Sort of represents that time period too, so that tells me that there was an activity in the early 1600s and also activity in the early 1700s. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, uh, I don't know if you can answer this question or not. Then, if you were going to try and dry a, so we've got a timeline of of the different uh, different eras that things were used. Can you can you give us a guess at who was there during those time those different timelines?
3: In the later time period, we'll say. Uh, 1700s early 1700s is definitely british in the earlier time period in the 1600s and so on there were a lot of french
0: Hmm. wow have you uh i mean you know you hear a lot of people talking about the 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 templars of course everybody wants the the treasure if there is one on oakland to be templar um, but you know we a lot of information has been coming out lately, and I and I know that you're the whole Oak Island story. We're going to try to keep this mostly to the blacksmithing and the things you've seen, uh, rather than getting into theories and whatnot. But I mean, have you seen any influence of maybe the Portuguese on on from things that you've been shown?
3: <laughs> I would like to say so. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: That's a firm no comment. Okay, that's a firm no comment. All right. I,
3: I signed the NDA. I can't mention anything about
0: court. All right. I understand, <laughs> sir. Not, not, they, yet, not yet. Not yet. All right. Well, and and folks, for those of you that are watching out there, uh, we will have Carmen. He has, he has said that he would come back. Uh, we know that, you know, being this early in the season, we've only had 11 episodes, and he can only talk about what he has seen that has been shown on the TV, on the show that's been aired. Uh, a lot has uh, yet to come and so (laughs) that's why we have to be careful what we ask and i just stepped over that line a bit i apologize for that but
4: okay i can ask a question about an (laughs) item that we already know about so it's not sensitive um carmen what can you tell us about the lead cross that was found by gary drayton and rick lagina the red (coughs) the the lead (laughs) cross yay big
3: Yes, um, not really any more than already been uh, explained on the show and and by other people as well. This lead cloth was lead being from uh, I think southern France, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
0: yes, that's where it was. Yep.
3: Um, the isotopes in there kind of explain where lead comes from, and lead is a is a is a element that's very easy to kind of define where it came from. Um, uh, other than that, I really uh, don't know its purpose, but I will say. Um, maybe Jeff, you have a picture of that you can bring up.
0: Um, yeah, I'm sure I do. I'll have to hunt for it real quick. Are you talking about the leg cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see. I know I do. Uh,
3: if, if you bring it up, if you look at the hole at the top, it's a, it's a square hole. Yes. A lot yes. of people believe that this, uh, this, this cross was, uh, you know, like hanging on, a <clears throat> hanging on a nail or hanging on a pendant or something like that. Excuse me. I'll get a drink of, uh.
0: Rum and Coke here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, where's my picture of that thing?
4: Is it Fortress Rum, Carmen? Are you drinking Fortress it's Rum? From,
3: uh, it's uh, the rum that uh, can be bought at the Ross Museum.
1: Ooh.
4: Okay.
3: <laughs> anyway, um, if you look at the hole, it's a square hole. Lead is a very soft material, not quite as soft as gold, but it's a soft material. Anytime you have a lead pendant, we'll say, it wears the hole around? The hole in the top of that lead cross is still square. Mm-hmm. So it was, wasn't used as a, um, a pendant or any type of thing that yeah. it was hanging on a chain, we'll, we'll say, for example.
2: Yeah, so it could have been nailed onto the side of a chest or a box or... Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Or
2: it could have been a marker on a door even
3: Hmm. only.
0: That's interesting because, you know, we talked about why it would have been found laying on the beach like that. And, you know, it's, people are speculating. If that was somebody's personal thing that they had hanging on, you know, it's kind of big for hanging around their neck, but they hanging off of a, of a pouch or something like that, or some other piece that on their, on their person, then, if they lost it, they would have really been hunting for it. But if it was nailed onto to something else, they may not have noticed that it was missing for quite some time.
3: That's right. That's right.
0: Very interesting. Whatever
3: whatever it was attached <clears throat> to, um, it didn't move.
0: Right. That's very interesting. I had never even thought about that. Huh. Yeah, that square hole. I mean, we all saw the square hole in it, and I did not get a picture up of it, but we all remember the square hole on it. I think everybody's seen it. It was definitely times. square, yeah. Yeah, 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 it certainly was, and tilted just a little bit to the mm-hmm. to the right. If you're, yeah,
3: right. and if you look at it, that would be another indication of being clearly able to see whether it had wear marks onto it, and there were none.
0: Hmm. Right, interesting. Um, we noticed that uh, you know, and this is uh, brought up by one of the viewers that we're watching as well. Um, you know, in previous seasons, they always went out to um, the farm and uh, to the blacksmith shop where you were working and showing people and, and talking about blacksmithing and whatnot and out there for them to bring their items for you. Um, and this year we got a, a Karen Publicover sent us a picture um, that she displayed, and it was of a, a, a great looking car, a blue Corvette uh, heading across the causeway. And, um, we saw that car and we're thinking, okay, that's not the usual rent a car rental black SUV that we see going across. This is a bit different. And then we got a picture of the license plate and it said Oxman. And right off the bat, Linda was like, that's gotta be Carmen leg. That's gotta be, (laughs) I mean, who else is going to have that license plate? Right. So (laughs) first of all, awesome car. Got to give you a thumbs up for that. Um, but now you're you're you've come to the island a few times we haven't seen it As, what changed i mean was it uh you know did they just ask you to come on out and have a look at some things or
3: uh it was two reasons uh, <clears throat> it was much easier for me to go to the island because of covid restrictions
0: ah uh, yep mm-hmm.
3: and uh, all i had to do was go to the island and have the uh, the uh, rapid test done wait 15 minutes and then i could go on the island and, and they allowed me to go wherever I want, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I bet. Uh,
3: coming to the farm, of course, everybody had to be tested as they left, tested as they come back. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They had to also be uh, especially careful at the farm as well, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, so that made it easier that way. But I had requested earlier that uh, I'd like to see some of these items um, before they were dug out of the ground so I could see how they were oriented. Or whether they were upside down, uh, you know, which way in 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 connection with, like, if you see a a shoe, an ox shoe, with a wagon part, and maybe a um, uh, a chain, or even a log dog, you can say, okay, oxen were there with a wagon hauling logs. You know? uh-huh. uh, so it allowed me to put a, a picture together more uh-huh. so of a particular area on the island.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's really cool. And did you get that? Was that your first time? Was it this season? Was that the first time you actually been out on the island?
3: I I really don't know. I've been out on the island with the Corvette several times.
0: Oh, okay, all right. It, and
3: also, when I'm on the island with the the Corvette, I got to go back and forth, back and cross, <laughs> uh, 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 back and forth across the causeway, probably about eight times each time I go out there. <laughs> Because the drone is up above, you know, it's in front of me, it's on the side, it's up above again and so on. And,
0: so
3: on. <laughs> and I like that because I get to drive across the causeway, you know, different times.
0: That's that's pretty neat. I was yeah, I was wondering about that because that Karen had a couple of pictures there and, and so we wondered about that. Well, yeah, they they tell you I mean, do they give you like a radio or something and say, Okay, hold on. All right, go ahead. Go go ahead, yeah, come across
3: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes oh, say, okay, drive fifty miles an hour, and other times they'll say drive <laughs> no more than 15 you know right
0: right that's awesome yeah that's that's really neat because you yeah, have the show must go on so yeah they have to get the shot of uh you know the uh, the famous blacksmiths coming across that's that's pretty interesting it's the um, beehive out there
3: when they're filming
0: oh i bet it is i can only imagine um well that's neat you, though so you got to come out there and, and hang around with some of the guys and gary drayton i assume yes oh for sure
3: yeah. share a few puns with gary
0: I heard he's pretty funny guy
3: oh he's uh he's awesome he's awesome yeah that's i don't funny. know where he gets all his funds but he can come up with them pretty easy
0: <laughs> uh oh somebody said does carmen do his own stunts too <laughs> <It's> like...
3: <laughs> uh well when i was tramping around the island uh, last summer i fell three times oh did you
0: really oh my goodness
3: and i caught my foot on a stump or a uh, rock or whatever and so on and so forth but Unfortunately nobody got the
0: bill uh, seen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> we well we keep talking about how they at some point they need to do a a, a bloopers reel uh of Oak Island bloopers. I think that yeah. would actually be hilarious cuz we've seen yeah, we got some good ones. <laughs> I think everybody has uh, probably, uh, you know, done something. Uh, we've seen the guys falling into the cameraman falling in the swamp but it, and he holding, he fell in the swamp, but yet he was holding that camera up out of the swamp water the whole time. He would not go down with that, that, that all he, he got completely drenched and full of mud, but he kept that camera up out of there. That was pretty funny. So. um, Interesting to, uh, to see what, oh, that, that, I think the bloopers reel would be awesome. You know, quite honestly. um, Let's see which country uh somebody the awoken one asked this question he says of all the metals carmen has seen from oak island can he say who or which country used the best strongest quality metal that you found Huh. that's an interesting question
3: quality um i'm gonna have to say it was the british in the early 1700s okay uh, um, the uh, structure of the fibers that are in the iron is uh, very uh, uniform and consistent, whereas the earlier time period in the early 1600s, the uh, French items, the, uh, the, uh, the mixture of the iron, the structure of the fibers were not quite as consistent as the English. The English uh, seemed to have uh, iron making down to a science.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, th- There is a question here about... Um, uh, Robot asked this question. It says, <clears throat> um, have they found any... Now, he called them baby ox shoes. Who or why would, uh, would one shoe a baby ox? Would it be for tunneling or something like that? So a smaller oxen, obviously.
3: Yeah, that's a good question because there were uh, shoes on the island that were the smallest that I've, I've ever seen. Really? Um, the youngest... Ox I ever shod, which would be a steer, was ten months old. Wow! Not really any reason to have a shod done at ten months old, but hmm. customer's always right. So I shod the ox ten months old. It had a shoe that was about uh, three inches long. Oh. I've seen some on the island that were even shorter. Wow! The only reason so- they would have done that back in that time period is because these oxen were very small, and they would be used a lot like the um, the oxen in, uh, I want to say Norway or whatever, but they would be used for mining. They would be uh, in, in under tunnels and caves and so on, and they would be used for extracting ore uh, material and so on and so forth. So these were very small oxen for a specific reason. Hmm.
4: I have a question for Carmen. Um, Carmen, do you think they're was ever a blacksmith shop or a forge on Oak Island?
3: Uh, the evidence I've seen of indicating forge use was all portable forges, the size that you would find on a on a on a ship. There were no permanent housing for a blacksmith shop.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there was some speculation. I'm sorry, Tom, go ahead.
1: No, I was
2: just going to say, so if they were going to do any work or or any major amount of repairs, they would take it back to the ship and use their mini blacksmith shop on the ship then?
3: Yes, if it required anything major, they would put it back on the ship. Uh, Mind (coughs) you, uh, it's it's very easy to set up a portable forge in the the clearing and uh, leave a rock face or whatever and uh, have all your uh, equipment that you need.
0: Wow. Yeah, this, uh, I just put up a picture, uh, just to show, I found another picture that I had of you and it's you, um, standing, you're holding your book that you wrote. Um, and you're standing there by, you're just, uh, with a couple of oxen, you've got the straw hat on. So I brought that up to show for a little bit. And, and speaking of the book, I, you had mentioned, and I know, um, I don't know if you wanted to talk about this, but when we, we spoke the other day, you had mentioned that you're actually working on another book right now. Is that true?
3: Yes. Yes, I am, Jeff. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I wasn't
0: uh, sure if you wanted to talk about it too much, but yes, please, tell us.
3: uh, I'm just about done with it. It's it's a book about uh, two days in the life of a blacksmith in 1965. The reason why I chose 1965, because in this area of Nova Scotia, there was a transfer between the old traditional ways, manual labor into more mechanized machinery, uh, use for uh, farming and forestry, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the blacksmith was sort of still. He had his foot in both worlds at that time, and there was a lot of hilarity. And there was a lot of sad stories, and uh, uh, I thought it would be kind of interesting to let people be a fly on the wall and and and, and visit the blacksmith for two days.
0: That's that is interesting. All right, when is when will this uh, when will this be out? Do you think?
3: Uh, I'm hoping this summer.
0: All right, all right. Well, please let us know when it is, because I think that'd be interesting. And that's something that you and I talked about a little bit the last time you were on the show was that, you know, you talked about the traditional, the traditional uh, blacksmithing techniques, um, you know, from back in those days prior to, I guess now from 1965, um, those techniques, they cannot get lost. They cannot go away. Um, and I think that it's important that you continue to teach people, though, and I'm assuming you do. You still teach those people the old ways of, you know, now they got power hammers and they do things a lot <laughs> different. Um, so, I mean, is that is that kind of what you do when you're teaching? You kind of help teach them the old way or keep that alive in people so they know?
3: Uh, definitely. Uh, um, there's only five people in North America that I know of that are traditional blacksmiths. And I defer. I define that term by saying uh, it's a blacksmith that uses traditional methods to create his products.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But he's also, uh, like the blacksmiths of old, would have been required to shoe oxen and horses. Whatever came, it had to be done. Right. There's only five that, and three of those people I taught. Wow. Uh, in North America to know how to do uh, shoe oxen, make sure shoes, make the uh, Horseshoe, shoe the horses, make all kinds of cauldrons, not cauldrons, but uh, buttresses and uh, trivets and and hinges and and all that stuff the old fashioned way. So I do not know how to use a plasma cutter or liquid welder or uh, so on. Um, I tend to use all my uh, hand tools for shaping and, and grinding and chasing and drilling and so on. Um, yes, it's slower, but again, it's a traditional right. method, and it, and it can be quite pleasing. It can be quite uh, enjoyable. Um, when I'm punching a hole, I'm oftentimes thinking about what I'm going to have for supper.
2: So which animal would be the most challenging to shoe?
3: Oh, sure. A yeah. uh, blind man can shoe a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, basically the reason the sole on a horse is probably about a half inch thick. I mean, there's no trouble getting the nail in a horseshoe. Um, with an oxen, the, uh, hoof on an ox is roughly about a quarter of an inch or maybe three eighths of an inch thick. Again, you got to get the nail in there. It's got to be in there solid. It's got to hold the shoe on, but yet it cannot hurt the ox. You have two shoes, so they've got to be the same height, they've got to be tucked the same way, up and down, out, then, up, so on. Um, and the ox
4: has to be little, put in yeah. a harness, yes?
3: Yes. An ox uh, has, has to be
4: in a harness, in an elevator,
3: horse, yes? That's right. A horse can stand on three legs and hold one up. They often sleep that way. But an ox can't do that. You have to put them in some type of sling and hold them up there while you're... Uh,
4: I, I've seen that at Ross Farm Museum.
0: Yeah, I got a picture here I'm going to bring it's up. It's quite
4: a the contraption. <laughs>
3: and and, and no one's so an ox will uh, um, bite sometimes.
0: Oh. Hey, we're losing them a little bit. You're breaking up just a little bit on this, Kermit. There you go. You're back now. Possible.
3: Shake
2: yeah. If a full-grown ox decides he's going to go somewhere, you're probably not going to be able to stop him.
3: I actually had to build and move a, a couple inches.
0: Oh, really? The building move. <laughs> I'm yeah. showing, a, I'm showing a picture right now, Carmen. This is a picture of you, uh, actually shoeing an ox, um, uh, in, in, uh, your, you got your suspenders on your old shirt there and you're actually shooing one. So I'm actually showing this picture while you're talking about it. Just so you know that.
3: Uh, that's, uh, by costume of 1870. Yep. So that's what they would have wore back in 1870. Um. It's very uh, billowy.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
3: a lot of cloth there. You got to stuff down in your pants somewhere. <laughs> uh, in the middle of July, uh, you're uh, putting shoes on a hot, sweaty ox, and you're hot and sweaty yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I had a little ten-year-old kid come in there, and he's watching me shoe an ox, and he's seen this sweat coming off my forehead, dripping down on my glasses and on the floor, and he said, "Is that real sweat?" <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, son, it is. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so that ox looks like it's not going anywhere. It's quite immobilized there. Yeah,
3: yep. it It is, but he still can uh, reposition himself. He can move around a little bit. Uh, but when you got an ox weighing 2,200 pounds, uh, you need something fairly solid.
0: Yeah, there's ropes going underneath his belly and, uh, yeah, all over the place here.
4: How do you persuade the ox to climb up there in the place? Uh,
3: Again, if the ox doesn't want to go up there, there's not much you can do. (laughs) That's sort of the definition of an ox. (laughs) When he was a calf weighing 150, 200 pounds, um, you would uh, take him on walks. You would take him across water, across bridges. Uh, barking dogs, you know, cats, flapping aprons, whatever. And the ox got to the point where, hey, this fellow knows what he's doing. I'll, I'll follow him. So
0: mm-hmm. when it
3: comes to the sling, he, he looks at him. He says, you want me to go in there? <laughs> <laughs> but you go in first. He follows.
4: Oh, Okay
0: uh let's see i did have another let's see oh uh you had mentioned earlier you were talking about doing reproductions of the hinges and things like that have you you've been involved in doing reproduction of like you know things for movies and whatnot too haven't you
3: yes um i'm just trying to recall the movies um maybe you can help me out one uh had uh Russell Crowe into
0: it. Uh, oh, um uh, that would have been um um Oh, shoot. Um you're talking about the uh the Roman when he was
3: Caribbean, but that
0: wasn't him. No, uh you're talking about the one where he was the um uh, gladiator? Gladiators. No, no. No, this
3: oh. was this was underwater.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Um Oh, somebody in there uh nope, somebody will... Recommend. master
4: and commander maybe? Yeah, oh,
0: that's, yes, it.
3: Yes, that's yes, it. That's what it. Did master and commander um yeah. pirates of the caribbean uh scary story three wow uh, uh, lizzie borden
0: lizzie uh, borden you made the, you made a replica of Lee, the axe that she used
3: no that had
0: to be oh we lost him for a second uh,
3: that had to be uh original uh, so I made I made that axe that's one of a kind axe.
0: Oh the my goodness! The reason why they
3: wanted it to be an original is because they didn't want uh, somebody seeing the murders. Oh right. And uh, going out to their local hardware store and buy the same axe, you can't oh. do it. It's a one of a kind.
0: Oh wow! Okay. okay, interesting. So you actually, so you came up with your own design for that then? Yes. Oh wow!
3: And, and, and it is not a practical axe. It has part of a hatchet. It has part of a. Uh, a uh, shingling hatchet as part of an edge, you
0: know. Interesting. A, a yep, he faded out there for a second. Are you still there? Very unique. There edge. you go. Oh, okay. Last
3: I seen it, it was all covered in blood.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, that has to be, you know, kind of gratifying as well to have them come to you and say, hey, you know, we we need, uh, we're doing a movie and we'd like to have, you know, this, uh, replica or, or this, some, so, I don't know, swords, knives, different things like that. That's, that's gotta be really cool to, to, uh, to be asked to make something like that for him. I would think.
3: Yeah, I guess it's, uh, quite a, a nice notch on your belt, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Barbara Duncan asked, has Carmen ever tried to make a Templar sword?
3: No, I, I don't make weapons of any kind. I don't make any knives. Um, I want to say I didn't make a sword, but I did years ago. <laughs> don't ask me where it is now, but uh, uh, I don't make any weapons, so I don't do swords or or um, or, or axes for uh, practical use. But uh, as a replica in a movie, I did. Um, so yeah, I don't do any weapons, no spears, swords, or anything like that.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to find it where where is that do you know what that question is Tom I'm trying to find it
2: yeah uh, Colin Jameson had a question he said would they have used smaller oxen to work inland because it'd be easier to transport
3: what was that again
2: the question would be uh, did they use smaller oxen inland simply as a matter of logistics were they easier to move or transport
3: oh I see yeah no the, the only reason they use smaller oxen is because they had a, a confined space for some reason.
0: Ah, confined space. Like a tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> Could it be? Could it be a tunnel for like, you know, hauling the uh, treasure <clears throat> down inside the yeah. tunnel? Yeah. Okay. I know so,
3: in Europe they use oxen a lot for uh, tunneling.
0: Mining and stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah for would pulling be, parts and stuff.
2: Would there be any need to build, build any type of... a? Need sorry, pardon. Uh, would, would there be any need to build any type of a special road or subroad or subsurface for oxen or would, or would, or would they could travel pretty much anywhere?
3: Oxen are very, uh, they tolerate uneven ground quite well. Um, main thing is not to have uh, whatever they're walking on shaky. So uh, round rocks or something like that would be a no-no. Other than that, they can go uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, Also, uh, on the island, you see the the stone road, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What you see there wasn't what the ox traveled on. There was some sort of uh, material on top of that before the ox walked on it. Yeah,
2: so they would build the base with rocks and then cover it with sod or dirt or whatever.
3: Usually sod, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like the stone road right there in the southeast corner of the the swamp. Yes. Um, Yeah. So, you know, and we talked about that a little bit where they would bring in like a, they would have a a slipway uh, that they would bring in the smaller boats. These aren't going to be a ship coming in there. Obviously, they're going to bring in the smaller boats with either with our cargo already on it or they're going to take cargo, you know, put it, put it on and take it out to the ship or vice versa. They pull it up on the slipway and then they transfer that onto the um, uh, onto a cart that is going to be pulled by oxen. And the oxen, then that would be on that stone road. That's that. that looks like it was constructed, or it was constructed right there, uh, in that southeast corner of the swamp. Did you get a chance to see that while you were on the island?
3: Yeah, I did, uh, Jeff. That was amazing to see because, uh, again, a lot of hard work for whatever reason. We, yeah. know, uh, <clears throat> we know the work involved on the island had something to do with hiding something, and I can't imagine anything worth uh, going through that much work to hide it
0: yep yeah exactly and that's yeah, that's also, go ahead go well, ahead please
3: also, also um i have not seen any indication of whether the the uh whatever it was that they were hiding was meant to be found later or was was it meant never to be found i don't know
0: oh wow that's an interesting thought hmm
2: and they might have also you just used those oxen just to haul the rocks to make the road with
0: too Mm-hmm.
3: oh yeah for sure yeah
0: yeah and finally like you got plenty you grow them there pretty well and in, in uh in uh Nova Scotia and all that area up there I don't know do you got a lot up in New Brunswick there Tom you got a lot of rock there too or
2: oh yeah I can send you pictures of my fishing camp that you're, so you're gonna visit someday
0: where
2: yeah you can't <laughs> if you dig a, a wheelbarrow full of dirt it's gonna be half rocks
0: yeah I know <clears throat> alexander has got some pretty interesting uh rocks on your the property you have there in uh new ross i don't know i think they're it's foundation quite honestly but you know hopefully you'll get a chance to look at that someday but uh, wow that's uh yeah so so obviously like tom was saying you know they got the rocks they would build it up and it looked like they're in the swamp that they had some sort of like a um, they used like um brush and, and log or you know wood underneath it then stack rocks on top but then of course like you said there would be some sort of a surface put on top of the because it looks really rough right now and the ox would have a hard time pulling something across all those stone so they would put yeah, something on right top sure. of that to smoothen it out um, yeah that
3: was that was a the foundation there would have been a covering on top of that as well it could also include it, uh wood as well which would have long rotted away and washed away and so on and so forth but, um mainly saw it It was heavy, solid, grassed over.
0: Uh, One of the, um, uh, Eli asked the question. He said, my wife wants to know, were there any parts of carts found, like carts that would be pulled by oxen? Did you find, were there any that you could talk about that we haven't seen? I I know if there's anything new, but have you seen any parts of carts that were brought to you to look at?
3: Yeah, some very small broken parts.
0: Okay. Interesting. Because, you know, they found, you know, as Gary was going along, especially there between the southeast corner of the swamp and, and the money pit area, they found what seemed to be a road. Um, it, and, and before they actually started digging up the stone, it seemed to be they were finding a lot of ox shoes, broken ox shoes, along a path that was leading from that southeast corner of the swamp up to the money pit, which I think you they when they come and showed you these uh, at the farm, I think they were. It had mentioned that, and you said, yeah, that definitely seems like that would be some sort of a, a road, because why else would you find these in a line, all these ox shoes in a line like that?
3: Yes, it was, it was definitely a, a, a road uh, that was traveled a lot by oxen for whatever reason, and they lost their shoes traveling there. Um, the amount of shoes that was found there indicated that the road was uh, well used. Uh, normally, if you're in the woods logging with oxen, you might lose a shoe
1: mm-hmm.
3: or two for every road that's a mile long. So in order to find that many shoes in that short uh, of walkway, it had to be well used. There was probably several teams, and they were going up and down several times. Um, also, if I could have seen the shoes and how they were oriented what shoes were ripped off, and what shoes fell off, and so on. I mm. probably could have told them which way the cargo was being hauled, Right. or offshore. But unfortunately, we're not we're not uh, able to do that now.
0: Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. You're out there all the time.
4: <laughs> Carmen, the ox shoes from Oak Island were they winter shoes or summer shoes?
3: Uh, a variety of both.
0: One, uh, we did have robot asked a question about with the ring bolt. Um, and I again, I don't know how many ring bolts were brought to you to look at, but he asked, uh, the ring bolt found could this bolt be the center bolt of an ox yoke? I didn't know that. Uh,
3: any. not the particular ones that I was showing, no, it was not big enough.
0: Okay. And you saw some that would be indicated to be, um, I think one of them that you looked at would, you said this would have been put into the, like the side of a wharf to tie a boat off to, because it looked like it would have gone through wood. And I think, have you found some that look like they might've been in stone as well?
3: Uh, I'm just trying to recall. Because
0: um... I know yeah. they have
1: some.
3: Go I think there was, yeah. was there wasn't there the one yeah. that was
2: kind of kind of spread out at the bottom that indicated it might have been driven into rock. Yeah, or something
3: like that. that's right. I remember now. Yeah, that one was put to uh, uh uh or put in a rock and spread so it wouldn't come out. Mm-hmm.
0: That would seem like that'd be an awful tough task to try to drive one down into a rock. But by doing well, so, that would have to be some sort of a... to tie a boat off to, so you know an, as an anchor point, I would say right.
3: It would would be an anchor point, or, or uh, for either securing something like a a, a boom out in the water, or, or some sort of thing, or it could have been also used to uh, pull items onshore or offshore. Mm-hmm. Or and uh, these were found on both sides of the swamp as well.
0: Oh wow! Um, Jenny's uh, Jenny asked a question. Said besides leaving behind their shoes, are there any other distinctive features left behind by heavy ox use? like the land being worn a certain way or something like that? Or? Uh,
3: yes, it would have been uh, areas that would have been tramped down and maybe wheel uh, ruts and so on that can be uh,
1: mm-hmm.
3: determined. But the soil has to be of the type that the wheel ruts will show for years and years and years. Right. Uh, up around the uh, Southwest coast of England, you can still see these ruts. Mm-hmm. But here in Nova Scotia, I, terrain is just not uh, conducive to that
0: right do you have any funny stories of uh being out on the island or anything that even if the guys brought you something any funny stories you could share with us from uh the oak yeah, island I folks
3: funny stories
0: <laughs> or interesting stories i usually ask this like, so you know and somebody would you know I, I remember uh, Maddie Blake, I think, was talking one time about having a, did they they, with Rick and Marty, they were, did a King of the Hill running up on top of this hill or something. It's just uh, kind of funny. <laughs> the
3: only thing I can think of that comes from my mind, I don't know how funny it is, but I'll tell you what it is.
0: Uh, I was out
3: to the island one time, and uh, me and Doug Crowell got on this um, side-by-side, and we're going back through the woods. <clears throat> I'm telling Doug that I had a dream the night before that uh, there was a biking horseshoe that came off the island. And when I said that, he slammed on the brakes, and I put in there right out through the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me, and he said, you did? I said, yeah, I had a dream that there was going to be a biking horseshoe uh, show up. Well, he says, that's what we're going to see.
0: Really?
3: A horseshoe uh, on the <laughs> coils up on top of the uh, money pit. And I said, well, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, he thought there was something to it. But anyway, when I got to look at the horseshoe, it was only, uh, uh, I think, early 1900s.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Horseshoe. But uh, <sighs> I thought I was going to go right up through the windshield. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, oh, man. That's, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I guess that comes back to, and, and again, I have to be very careful asking this question because it might be something you haven't, uh, hasn't been shown on TV yet, but, you know, like some of the, what's the oldest? Do you recall like what has been shown on TV so far? What's the oldest item you've, they've brought you to look at? Do you know, can you remember what the...
3: Uh, the, the, again, that would be the swages. Ah, okay. Uh, these, yep. these swages are not 1600 swages, they're older than that. So I'm going to say 1500 swages. Wow. But again, uh, these swages um, were something that was, you know, you didn't use it and then uh, for 10 years and throw it away. This swage was made to be used over centuries. Mm hmm. So, But it's a very old style, very crude, very um, um, primitive structure of the iron. So it was done in a very primitive crude kiln forge, furnace, whatever you want to call it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Colin asked another question. He said, uh, how would they transport oxen? Would it be like by a barge or something to get them? Um, we know that uh, like Samuel Ball, we're assuming because he did so much farming and he had to pull a lot of tree stumps and whatnot. He probably used oxen on the island. So is that the best way to like a like a flat bottom barge to get them across and transport them around? Uh,
3: from the mainland to the island, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or anywhere. So, really. je- yeah, definitely. yeah. Of course, when they came over uh, from Europe, they were put on uh, in the holds of large uh, ocean going wooden ships at that time. They didn't have to sling them that you like you would a horse. They right, right. Put them in the holes and uh, took care of them and so on, and they survived.
4: Carmen, so, what they, about they, feeding oxen? Did they eat grass? <laughs> or
1: yeah.
3: Uh, in the beginning, there weren't fields and 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 uh, so on of lush grass and so on.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So they would feed them meadow hay, uh, uh, beech leaves, um, whatever they could find. Um, horses need high quality uh, grain and uh, hay, which weren't available in the beginning, so that's why they didn't use horses. Now, I haven't said that, there were horseshoes found on the island in the later time periods around 1745.
0: Um, uh, I'd like to ask now or uh, we're gonna probably get um, uh, close to wrapping up here. Uh, we've gone about an hour and nineteen an hour and twenty minutes or so, and I know you have ah uh, things to do in your day, but I wanted to see if anybody has any other questions um, you know that and i'm I was getting ready to actually bring up the the, the phone and put the phone line up if anybody wanted to ask a uh, call in uh, sure. and, and ask. I'm okay, good. And if they want to ask a question of Carmen, i'll I'll get that hooked up here in just a minute. Um, but one one user asked, uh, based upon what you have seen that we know about of, of you know on the show so far, um, do you believe, I mean, you, you kind of speculate or talked about this a little bit earlier about you know, the tunneling. you found instruments that would indicate that there was definitely some sort of tunneling going on. And again, you also mentioned something about you know being so deep underground, this would not have been a pirate you know enterprise. It would have to been. Something of importance to do this go so far down. So based based upon what what activities do you think um, you know was going on there? I mean, I, I kind of hate to go you know too much into that speculating about Oak Island because I know that your expertise is your you know the uh, blacksmithing and and also the things that you've they've been brought to you. But do you want to? Do you feel like taking on that question? And and uh, uh, what activities do you believe were actually going on on the island over the years?
3: um well uh, i can only go by the story the items tell me right again uh, these are all iron steel items uh i can tell you that in the early 1600s there was some type of activity there that was put to hide something mm. now in the 1700s there was a lot of activity there um sort of indicating looking for something
0: ah yeah uh,
3: uh, other than that, I mean, I've been uh, probably seen probably between 2,000 and 2,500 items, and I still don't know what the story is. I just know that it was a tremendous amount of work to hide something, and I can't even imagine what it would be.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, we're all hoping it's some sort of a treasure. I know people have even talked about the Ark of the Covenant being out there, but I don't know yeah, about that. But, 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 but
3: problem with that jeff is um yeah okay you would go through a lot of work to hide treasure but you wouldn't go through that much right that's is, is something more than just simple treasure
0: right yeah i think you're right i really and 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 tom and i you know as, on the show as we do our recapping of the the episodes of the curse of oak island we we definitely talk about that very thing um that this had you know what an undertaking it had to be for them to go through everything they did to get something that deep underground and all the tunnels and the flood tunnels and everything else. You would, like you just said, you wouldn't go through all of that work just simply to hide, you know, a a chest of gold. Um, It had to be something of big and huge importance.
3: Yeah. It was a major undertaking.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Why isn't there a record somewhere? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean uh, there must have been a lot of people involved wouldn't somebody's great 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 grand say grandson say you know I remember such and such you know happened on oak island and so on and so forth but there doesn't seem to be any definitive record
0: right yeah that's what's interesting about it right That's and and if there's no record then that would mean that they don't want people to know um you know what they were doing or and what and that
3: is into the fact that the items you do find there are broken one off accidental drops you mm-hmm. know things like
0: that yeah they took the evidence with them <laughs>
3: yeah they swept it like they uh, you know had big brooms
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think dr Aaron taylor had mentioned that when they were working on you know uh digging along the road uh that they were finding in the swamp there that was heading up towards uh nolan's uh where the house is and that um they talked about that too that he said the lack and I think Miriam also, the archaeologist um, Miriam would mention it too, the lack of artifacts tells a story as well, like you just you just talked yeah. about.
3: Yeah, uh, other sites I uh, visit in Nova Scotia have a, a comprehensive uh, collection of items that indicate some sort of living or mm-hmm. habitation or whatever sort of thing. You don't get that on O'Connor. It's just one of curiosities, you know, kind of indicates something that happened, but when you try to Match it up with some other items you'll find on the farm to indicate some type of activity, you don't get it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what a couple of users have popped up. And Colin even mentioned to hide something that was never meant to be found or recovered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. That's.
3: <clears throat> if well. if it was never meant to be recovered, it did a very, very good job.
0: <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. Because these guys have been, I mean, that's the thing about the Laginas have been going through a monumental task to try to find something. And, uh, you know, they've been at it for well, while. The show's been on nine years, uh, the TV show, but they've been there longer. I think they've been there for like 14 years um, trying to to cov- come up with something. And that's uh, um, so whatever they did, they did it well. And, and, and they talked about, well, maybe the money pit was a ruse. Maybe it was just a decoy um and as marty said if it was and they did a great job of making it one because that's where the majority of the search has been but yeah, if, yeah. And
3: kudos to uh rick and marty and the and the gang out there they're doing a real fine job of uh, researching and, and really trying to get to the bottom of things and try to figure out what uh, what's going on there and for what reason mm-hmm. um i kind of wish that over the last Um, well, I think they started searching in 1795, which is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. They would have kept more accurate records from then on, you know, and the items weren't scavenged and taken off site, especially the stone that was found at the 90 foot level.
0: Yes. yes. Wouldn't
3: it be nice to know exactly what that said?
0: Yes, it would. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, I have a
4: question for Carmen. Go ahead, please. Carmen, did the British military use oxen because we know yes. that the British military did poke around Oak Island at some point. The Navy did. Did they? Do you yes. think they would have used oxen too?
3: Oh yes, definitely yes. Okay. Um, the uh, the British use um, their oxen was a little different breed than the French uh, oxen, but uh, the uh, they definitely use oxen as well. Uh, the French breed at that time tended to be uh, blacker and the oxen that the English used tended to be more fawn-colored, tan-colored. Much like a jersey, if anybody's uh, familiar with jerseys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they certainly used oxen as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: People don't, uh, you know, in movies and in the historical papers, they, they didn't glorify the ox, but the ox was used more so than the horses. I mean, when you see Wild West shows, you know, you see the horses crossing over and the the natives are circling, you know, and they're shooting and arrows and all that stuff. And everything is horses, horses, horses. But most of the migration out west was done with oxen.
4: Mm -hmm. So theoretically, the oxen that came to Oak Island might have been brought on British naval ships?
3: Yes. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: Um. Here's another question that was brought up. Um, this was from Jan. So do you ever make things in the shop for pleasure, like artwork or or just to, um, uh, let's see, something at the end of the day? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I
3: wish we had vi- uh, video instead of audio. I could show you a few items. Um, uh, occasionally, not too much this uh, in, in, in wintertime because it's too cold. But uh, I've been making cloak pins.
0: What is it again? Say that again.
3: I've been making cloak pins. Cloak Yay! <laughs> what's
0: a what's a cloak pin? I don't know what that is. Oh, for, oh, something to clip onto a cloak to hold it yeah, together. The, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You know, a cloak or a a kilt or a blanket or something like that. You want to fasten together with cloak pins.
0: Wow. Cloak pins
3: are something that's uh, sort of Viking uh-huh. um, um, style, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. You, you wrap the cloak around you and then right there underneath your chin, uh, is where you would put the pin to hold it together, uh, yes. to keep the two halves together and close it, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Interesting.
3: In your lapel area now, is
0: this something that you're, you just make for the fun of it? Are you selling these yeah. or are you,
3: <laughs> I, I enjoy making them, but yeah, I might sell some. Yeah.
0: Wow. Sure. Okay. Well, I tell you what, because we don't have you on camera, I mean, you'll have to send me some pictures. And then I can show, I mean, you don't have to do it right this minute, but I mean, later on. Uh, and I know you come by our, our Facebook page sometimes, too. You certainly could post a few on your own, or you can send them to me, and I would certainly put them up there. That, I would love to see those. That would really be cool. Uh, I'll
3: send you a picture, Jeff. I don't want to do it on here because I screw up the connection we have. I know.
0: I know. I've been doing my best not to touch the, uh, the screen. I have you on a screen up here, and I've been doing my best not to touch it because I don't want to lose our connection uh, once, right. we, once we finally got it going here. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, somebody asked the question about now I know with, uh, you know, I, I, uh, was raised with horses. So I know that in during the winter time or most animals do anyway, but they, uh, during the winter months, they, the horses will grow a lot more hair to keep them warm in the winter. But somebody asked the question about oxen, um, uh, back in the 16 and 1700s, um, you know, about how they, uh, they stay warm during the winter. Uh, months do they do the same thing do they grow a lot of extra hair to keep warm
3: yeah oxen are uh, better suited for wintertime use than horses Um, as you know a horse will sweat a lot where an ox sweat glands are not developed oh wow yeah sometimes if you're using horses they get really wet under the saddle or under the bridge or whatever so oxen don't sweat like that so they're Mm they have to be more suited to the climate they're used in right in the wintertime, yeah the hair gets uh, quite thick um you know two or three inches thick
0: wow interesting yeah so that would definitely help and you know, i think about that you know for an animal obviously you don't want to leave them on the frigid you know below zero temperatures uh, for a long period of time but um they definitely uh, do take on a lot more hair and help to keep them warm
3: that's right and they have to be uh kept in a place that's out of the wind Mm
0: -hmm. yep um let's see i'm just looking at some of the other questions are popping up here uh oh somebody said uh jennifer was asking if they come to nova scotia can they come and visit you i guess that would have to do with are you still working out at the farm in the blacksmith shops
3: no uh, because of covid right tourism tourism is just um you know doesn't exist here in Nova Scotia right now.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Um,
3: hopefully, if uh, COVID gets over and tourism comes back, um, I, I possibly will come back out to the out uh, to uh, Ross Farm Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're welcome to come to uh, Northville Farm Heritage Center. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, if the island is uh, open for visitation, anybody who wants to come to the island, I will meet them on the island.
0: Nice. Yeah, that would uh, that'd be fun. I know that we're uh, we're hoping to. I kind of and we're I I think the time is up already for the island to be um, putting out the information about um, uh, tickets for that, because I think, you know, they're they're debating on COVID restrictions again this year. So very likely there will not be Oak Island tours again this year. Um, But regardless, uh, I'm still going to try to get up there this year. Uh, I've been, I've been meaning to or looking at doing it for the last couple of years. I've got a lot of people to meet and I would certainly like to meet you too. While I'm up there, um, Alessandra is one. And of course, Tom, Tom and I are going fishing. He's got a great spot up there, uh, you know, on the river to go fishing. So (laughs) I'm going to have to stay for a month, I think when I come up there, but, um, yeah, so, but in hopefully the, the, maybe things would change and the farms would be open that you could actually have, uh, tourism out there again, but we'll see, I don't know.
3: We'll see Uh, indications right now are that the the COVID restrictions will still remain.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Which is a shame.
0: Yeah, it is. Somebody asked the question. What's the difference between an ox and a cow?
3: Uh, An ox is a uh, male bovine that's at least four years old and and Mm well-trained. A cow is a female that had a calf.
0: Okay, there you go.
3: Now, that doesn't mean you can't make a, uh, you know, you can't put a yoke on a cow and and use it to pull a firewood out of the woods or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if you was a family and you you had a milk cow and for whatever reason, that was the only thing you had available, you would would use her. Mm -hmm. It's just that uh, she don't have the power that an ox weighing a ton, we'll say, would have.
4: Carmen? I have a question. The oxen that were brought to Oak Island and used there, and you said heavily used along that path, would they have been taken home after they were done Uh, or released into the wild?
3: No, they would have been uh, probably, uh, a lot of them would probably be uh, butchered and eaten. Oh. And uh, if if they, you, you have to keep in mind, it's the British. So the British were going to uh, the United States. They were going to Jamaica, Barbados, all those places. They would take the oxen with them. But at any time that they didn't require the oxen, though, they would butcher uh, them. And uh, if they didn't need them, they would dig a hole and bury them. Hmm. So we might find some...
4: Um Ox bones on Oak Island, maybe? Well, we did
3: find bones, but we didn't discern whether they were uh, 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 human or or animal yet.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, Colin also asked the question, some people have speculated that the, the tunneling that's on Oak Island, because of the Gold River being so close by, um, and, and I may, I, you may or may not have any idea about the an, the answer to this question, but Colin was asking, uh, what's your opinion on, uh, about a, maybe an ancient mining operation happening on the Island. And therefore that's why the tunnels were there.
3: Uh, that's another area where I can't comment okay. because of the NDA.
0: Okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Colin can't get you that one. Um, uh, so interesting. So um let's see uh tom you guys got any more questions and i'm I'm still flipping through yep. looking at some of the the uh stuff that's on the uh jenny said oh so oxen are male cows uh
3: yeah I, I guess that's, what I that's
2: one
0: way to say it i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep uh let's see um, just flipping back through oh here's a good question uh, talking about oxen and working with them and I think that you know, I I raised a when I was a, a teenager and going through school, and I was in uh, FFA, Future Farmers of America. Um, I raised a steer, uh, and I sold it at the fair. Um, and it was, so, one of the questions that somebody asked was, "Do oxen recognize their name and their people, or the person that works with them all the time? Would they recognize that person?" And
3: oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, oxen are more intuitive than a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a horse, um, well, if you if you had horses, Jeff, you know they can have an attitude. Oh yeah, uh,
1: <laughs>
3: oxen are more intuitive. So if you woke up in the morning and you're in a hurry, the ox is ready to be in a hurry as well. If you wake up and you're in a sort of a lazy mood, the ox kind of picks up on that, and he's in a lazy mood. So <laughs> uh, the oxen uh, and uh, people tended to bond better than 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 uh, i should say the ox bonded with people better than horses bond with people
0: interesting yep yeah i know that uh, you can you
3: can bond with a horse you know very uh, tightly but yeah um, as a general rule the horses didn't bond with you as easy as you did with the horse
0: right yes that's very true yeah i think you're right Yep.
4: Carmen, I have a question about um, value or price of oxen. I know that horses used to be terribly expensive, so it wasn't easy to own a horse and be able to maintain it, you know, centuries ago. So yeah. um, what about oxen? How did they compare? Were they more affordable? Could even, let's say, poor farmers or settlers
3: well uh, obtain
4: I, or, you know, not- buy an ox?
3: Yeah, an ox was uh, basically free, whereas a horse was a major expense. Also oh. not to acquire, but also to, to, to keep because they had a lot of medical issues. Um, in order to be a pioneer, you had to have a cow. cow has a calf and it's a bull. There's your draft power right there. All you had to do was wait for it to grow up. Uh, usually you would have a, an older ox doing some work while the younger ox was growing up so that when the older ox passed on, the younger one was ready to continue on down the road. So it was basically free. Um, There's an old adage out there that says that uh, a horse will cost you money where an ox will make you money.
0: Ah, yeah, that's actually true.
4: (laughs) Okay, so, so it wouldn't have been that hard for the settlers on Oak Island uh like samuel ball to get an ox and use it right
3: no that's right it would be very very easy but in order to buy a horse you had to have a certain amount of uh, money funds Uh, you also had to be prepared to take a chance
0: catherine asked a question here and i think catherine you're gonna catherine woodruff you're gonna get me in a little trouble with this one i think but she said she asked the question she said are men or women women better at handling oxen like horses or dogs oxen do they bind with one person so i i I guess it just depends on the person
3: uh, well uh, anybody has uh, any uh, history with oxen horses knows that they're uh, they're a herd animal Mm -hmm. and they respond to the more dominant one Uh,
1: mm -hmm.
3: and you have to be the dominant one. Um, if mm-hmm. he feels as though you're not the dominant one, he won't do what you ask of him, uh, whether whether it be a, a, a an ox that's a male or a horse that's a stallion, filly, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be the dominant one. Once the animal realizes you are the dom- dominant one, and I shouldn't say realize, it's more of an acceptance. Right, yep. That you are the dominant one. You can talk to them in a very general, quiet voice, and it'll do whatever you want. But at any time, the animal senses that you're not dominant, or senses that you had fear, or you're afraid, or um, you're you're sort of asking the ox to do something, or asking the horse to do something. You've uh, lost his respect, and you won't do it. Right. So it doesn't matter if uh, if it's a man or a woman, as long as the animal senses the dominance. They work equally, equally well for men and women.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, very true. Yeah. Now, I've also heard, Carmen, that, that whether it's an ox or a horse, they'll also try the master to see some days if they can actually get away with what they want to, and you've got to bring them back into line.
3: Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's an ox or a horse, uh, especially in the teenage years. So we're talking about a, a mm-hmm. horse that's between 10 and 20, an ox that's between uh, three and six years old or whatever they will test sometimes they'll test you on a daily basis and then uh, a weekly basis and then maybe once a year they'll uh they'll balk and they'll say no i'm not doing it and just just to find out if you're still Mm -hmm. uh, you're
4: still the uh, dominant one (laughs) yeah even
3: uh, you know they're herd animals, so if you watch them in the herd every once in a while two cows are going to get in a fight because they just need to know who's going to be the dominant one
0: yep I know when I raised my steer and you know at the time I was you know I don't know 14 or something and I was a you know I'm still pretty skinny but a little skinny kid out there with this big old steer you know I mean you know and he <laughs> he dragged me around I was trying I had to teach him to lead uh you know with the lead rope and everything because I had to take him to the fair and show him so I mean he there was times where he dragged me around out in that field out there <laughs> but I would not let go because of what you just said he had to know that you were not going to back down. You were going to stand your ground with him. And once we got over that, we did fine. But it was a test for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: if you had let go of him, then he knows that he can do that again and again and again. Yep, and it's yep, uh, pretty hope, yep. hopeless and
0: yeah. I would not, I would not back down. And my, my dad, you know, uh, being raised uh, on a farm, you know, definitely he taught me that. He said, do you got to show him. And I did, I, I, it took a long time and a few bruises, but I did, I showed. And, and at like I said, after that, we got along great. Uh, he would, he would just come right over to me and I didn't even need to put a strap, a lead strap on him anymore. He would just follow me around. And, uh, we, we, you know, it was, it worked out pretty well. So, but I, I do remember the trials that, uh, that he and I went through. So, um yeah i was uh, colin asked that question about women or men and he said well that answers that women clearly are you know, <laughs> yeah uh,
3: again with horse and oxen you have to be very careful with mm-hmm. any punishment yeah it's better yeah. to not use any at all right you, you want the horse and ox to respect you not fear you
0: mm-hmm. yep exactly yeah you don't want that fear factor you want that f- that respect factor exactly yeah, I've, I learned that over the years. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to start wrapping up here pretty quick here. But I said, Carmen, do you know? Uh, this is from Barbara Carmen. Uh, how do you keep the forge fire going? Uh, it's not coal, right? Actually, it is. It uh, your, your forge fire is coal, uh, right? I,
3: I think I've seen that question somewhere before. They thought it was uh, propane. But no, that is a real coal mm-hmm. fired forge. Yep. Once you. Uh, Fire it up in the morning, which takes I don't know two minutes to fire it up. Mm-hmm. Um, once the coal is uh, burning and the, and the flames are coming off, it it'll last between three and four hours.
0: Wow! And do you use bellows? Uh,
3: yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um,
0: I've seen the little hand crank fan that you've got there. It's uh, I, I've seen that on the show a couple of times.
3: Yeah, that that's the blower that's mm-hmm. uh, mounted in the floor, and the bellows is up above and behind the chimney.
0: You're right. Well, I would love to come. You know, I tell you, I, I really hope that they uh, um, at some point it, it does get opened up again. I know it will eventually get opened up again to come because I I know that when you and I spoke before, I did spend some time. Uh, there's a, um, a there was a there is a heritage uh, society set up up in the UP of Michigan uh, where I'm from and uh they have a blacksmith shop and i remember telling you about the time that i went there and i worked with the uh, uh spent actually several times going there and working with the blacksmiths and they were showing me you know different things when we i made a leaf and i made a piece of iron and twisted it and made it decorative and that and a little hook on the end just little things like that just to get the feel of it um and it is so you like you mentioned before it's so rewarding to be able to create something like that and just uh just get into the work um you know and then heating it back up and the the idea of not getting it too hot uh you know it's got to be the right color when you pull it back out of there and then you can work it and then get it back in there for that there's so much to it but it is so rewarding at the same time but all the different things and I, i and i applaud you for you know continuing with that uh traditional uh teaching uh people that traditional style and i hope that it continues and that you can keep teaching people that because it's an art that just simply can't go away we can't let that die off Um,
3: yeah i I agree with you jeff but i also have a fear that it will die off yeah Um, i don't like to see it and i'm going to do all i can to prevent it but um you know we are you know we are a future minded society and and
0: uh, mm-hmm. maybe the past sometimes doesn't get recognized as much as it you should. you're right, yep, I agree. Uh, well, hopefully um and and like you said, writing that book, I really looking forward to that book coming out, we'll have to uh, you know make sure that you um, let me know uh, when it is. we'll bring you on the show. We'll talk about it a little bit and um you know see if we can help you. Uh, get some sales on it. But th- but again, the idea that I think you have behind that is is letting people see what it's like. Um, and that's a perfect, perfect way to do it.
3: Yeah. The book kind of uh, describes in real detail what it was like back then. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, people curse and swore and, uh, <laughs> and they spit tobacco juice on the floor, you know, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And uh, they'll get a real sense of being a fly on the wall of a black shop in 1965.
0: Wow. Yep. That'll be great. All right. Tom, Alessandra, did you have any other questions? No, I'm good. Um, thanks.
4: I was going to show people two books about history of New Ross and Ross Farm Museum, if I can hold it up in front of my laptop sure. camera.
0: Yeah, and I'll change the <clears> picture. I <throat> don't it. know
4: if you can buy it on Amazon. I, I got them at the Ross Farm Museum, so one is this one it's called the accidental Accidental farmer yeah yeah the story of ross farm and the other one is the history of new ross by caroline leopold that one is excellent Mm -hmm.
0: the history of new ross wow that's cool 200 years from 1816 what did it say 1816 to 2016 to 2016 yes wow so that's a go ahead i'm sorry
3: uh, I was just trying to comment on that is um, New Ross is sort of a special place in that we sort of kept doing it, living life, you know, and working uh, the way they did many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when modern society came about, it was a great spot to have a museum because everybody in the community was still living the life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's so neat, you know, my mom was, like I said, she was part of the heritage uh, society up there in, in the UP. And she, she was, a she was a, uh, wool spinner. Um, so oh, they, yeah. yeah, she did the thing called sheep to shawl and they would oh. actually go through the entire process of shearing a sheep and then cleaning it and doing all the, the, uh, I, I don't know what they were called. The boards that have all the little, like a, they're like a, a brush, but they got the little wire metal, uh, um, Cart. Thing- Cards. Yes. Yeah. They, and, and they would work it like that. And then they would actually take it all the way through to actually knitting something out of it, a shawl or something like that. It was fascinating. It really was. Um,
4: And Jeff, you can see that whole process demonstrated at the Ross farm museum. There are ladies there mm -hmm. dressed in historical costumes that do this, they process wool and they show you how, how it all works. And they told me that when they, um, run the wool fibers between their fingers, the mm-hmm. lanolin that's in the wool gets in their skin and their hands are really smooth.
0: <laughs> yeah. She always, she, she was, uh, you know, she was wonderful with that. She really was. And then she had the big spinning wheels and and all that yes. stuff. And uh, uh, she would loved to like, like Carmen was just talking about love to sit down and teach the younger people how to do it. Yeah. Um, right. That was that was that she got more enjoyment out of that than any other part of it was teaching younger people the art of spinning wool and and going through all that. So, yeah. Yeah,
3: and I find also uh, teaching people is a great way to learn yourself. Yep. sometimes you'll be uh, teaching somebody something, and uh, you, know, you kind of think, well, you know, uh, the French did this back in the 1700s. I mm-hmm. kind of wonder uh, what steps they took. Right. So you go in the research, you know, you go to the books, the library, the internet, and whatever you can I find I get a lot of information out of uh, museums because they are you know collectors of uh, information and I find out and then I can teach even better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and that's and what we also
3: did. at the Ross Farm, we do uh um Al- 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 as uh as Alessandra knows, we do flax to linen as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ah now, what what is explain that for just a brief? I we're starting people are shy because I, I, Linda told me she says you shouldn't say you're starting to wrap up because you start losing people. <laughs> we still have a good crowd here, but what is that? Explain that real well, quick. Right well,
3: flax is a uh, a grain that's grown as, uh, ah, in the fields. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they would cut it and uh, lay it out in the field, let it half rot,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then uh, break it up. and The, the fibers inside are uh, spun a lot like wool, and made into linen shirts that we wear on the farm.
0: Oh, wow. There you go. I had no idea. That's fair.
3: don't realize that
0: linen comes from flax. Yeah, I had no idea. My not-
4: grandmother in Slovakia used to do the same thing. She would grow flax and then get the fibers out and, uh, you know, end up with um, a product that she could use for making bedsheets. So she would make bedsheets for her daughters, for their hope chests, right? Because one day they would get married, and <laughs> she had many daughters, so <laughs> she had to use her low quite quite a bit to produce enough um, bed linens for all the daughters and their hope chests.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, somebody uh, in uh, Zane. I was just reading some of the comments because I mentioned we we're starting to wrap up here. Uh, Zane said, "Your then uh, this was for Carmen. Your knowledge and experience is unprecedented." I would come and apprentice with you any day. Keep smithing, keep smithing alive. Um, you cannot have a future without a past.
3: Yeah, no, that's very true. Very, uh, very true.
0: well said. Very well said. Yep, it is. So keep it alive, Carmen. Keep that going as long as you possibly can. Uh, and, and like I said, let us know about that book when it comes out, and uh, sure. we'll we'll uh, definitely help you with that. Uh, would you, would,
3: would you, would you like one story of that? Yes.
0: Yes, please. Yes. This that'd is, be awesome.
3: This is uh, connected with you, Alessandra.
0: You, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you,
3: you, uh, you have a house up on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. New Ross. Uh, that hill is called Prax Hill. And, uh, down on the hollow across the river there, there used to be a blacksmith shop there. <clears throat> and, uh, this member of the community, he used to have a bicycle and he was also the painter. So he would paint the uh, church down the road. He would paint barns. He would paint houses or whatever. And he would carry the paint cans in his hands while he was handling the uh, handlebars of the bicycle. Uh, he got fairly good on the bicycle and he got fairly fast. And uh, one day he was going up to the store just down below your place, uh, Alexandra. And, um, uh, On the way there, uh, somebody came out a side road with a uh, horse and buggy. He didn't want to get stuck behind a bicycler, so he uh, pulled out in front and uh, took off. Well, um, Seaman, I think Seaman was his name, and uh, he kept right up behind the horse and buggy. And when he saw an opportunity, he pulled out and passed him. When he got to the store, he seen uh, 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 when the man with the horse and buggy got to the store, he saw a Seaman with his bicycle there talking to a couple of fellas out front of the store, and they were laughing and pointing at him that a, a man on a bicycle beat a horse. <laughs> so he made him mad. So he hung around until uh, the Seaman was ready to go back home on his bicycle. He probably had to get a few uh, brushes or uh, supplies for painting. And uh, when he got ready to go back home, uh, he shot out in front of him. <clears throat> and it was all uphill, you know, going down uh, below your place and then going. Around,
4: yes, the hill, uh, yes.
3: All, up, all uphill, right? And uh, he was bound and determined that he wasn't going to pass him again. So he, uh, the poor horse, he didn't let him have any rest until he got back to the road that he had to turn off of. And uh, he kept looking back, but all he could see was dust. When he got to the road, he let the poor horse have a rest, look behind him and hear a seman on his bicycle trying to light his pipe with a match.
0: <laughs> so that so that uh he he was able to uh to yeah uh be able to light a light a pipe while uh while riding on the bike, I guess.
3: Yeah, kept right up with him.
0: Kept up with him the whole time. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, we're looking forward for that book to come out because, uh, I know it'll be some interesting stuff and I, I appreciate your sharing that with us. Thank you so much. Wow. This yeah. is, this has been great. I've had a lot of people are jumping in and saying just, uh, Jenny said, thanks for the great interview, best interview with Carmen by far. Uh, I, I tell you what, it has been a lot of fun. This is exactly what I was hoping for today. Knowing that you could only talk about certain things about Oak Island because, um, you know what may be coming up here in the future may be some great things that we're we're hoping anyway um but uh, just to spend an afternoon with you talking about things and and letting you tell stories and talk about the history of everything it has been fascinating and I can't thank you enough Carmen for coming on and, and sharing all this with us
3: Very enjoyable for me too Jeff uh, nice to hear from Alexandria and Tom and and uh, all of viewers, you know we're all part of the uh, hunt
0: yep Yeah, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we're not as close to it as you are, but yes, well, Alessandra is, but uh, you know, the rest of us aren't quite as uh, you know close to it as you are. But as I've mentioned this to some of the other guys on the island, um, that we get to see this through your eyes, and that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of it. You you show us, you tell us, you teach us um, about this each and every time you're on the show, and uh, it's awesome. And I'm glad that they they picked you to uh, go to and have you go over some of these items because um i i don't think they could have picked a better person for it quite honestly and i'm really glad that uh uh, and then you take your time out of your day to come on and share some of these things with us and it's really uh um a great i i can't thank you enough i'm just honored that you would come on the show with us and, and talk about all this it's it's really a great thing so all right, I'm going to wrap things up. And don't forget, folks, we are going to have Carmen back. I think we I think we scheduled in March. It may be a little too soon, but, you know, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, Carmen will have looked at a lot more things on the island and at the farm that he can share with us uh, coming up here on that show in March. I, I've forgotten what day. I don't know if we if we know exactly what day it is. Um, I don't think I have it here. Uh, yes, the 26th. March twenty-sixth. Uh it'll be at two o'clock again. We're gonna have Carmen back, uh, and he's gonna share some more stuff with us and uh all that with uh again some more finds from the island. Um, so again, thank you, uh Alessandra. Thank you so much for co-hosting today. And Tom Tom filled in just because we wanted to have a third person on the screen, and you always have great things to ask and, and good input, and we really appreciate that, Tom. So thank you for, for filling in today. And again, Hi, I Carmen. want
4: I want to good. thank you guys too and the audience and especially Carmen I Carmen I want you to know that I enjoyed the course of O'Kiley mainly because of you because you tell us what life was like 200 years ago or 300 years ago and the way that you describe these items um, it's intuitive but also professional so they, I like the combination of the two especially when they ask you what age some you know, strange items, and and you can tell from um, just, you know, holding it in your hands. And I think that even if they took some of these items to a museum, they wouldn't get an answer like that. So I'm really happy that you're here and that you're on that show.
3: Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, It helps that I have OCD and I've handled a lot of the artifacts that you see on the island. I've handled them before and researched them. I just Because of my OCD, I have to know the answer, Mm -hmm. and that allows me to uh, share with everybody. And I'm glad uh, I can help.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again for all of those of you who came and watched. And again, this will uh, be out on YouTube. Uh, So feel free to uh, check it out, share it, Uh, and if you're out there, uh, feel free. Please uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel, and if you click on that notification bell. You will get notified immediately when we have new content that we bring up, uh, which I do sometimes just surprise and bring up some new video or something from time to time. Uh, so you, welcome to uh, uh, to share it all you want out there. It'll be on YouTube uh, going forward. So thanks again for everybody that showed up. Again, thank you, Carmen, Alessandra, Tom, and you folks Good have time. a great rest of your week. We will see you uh, on Wednesday night at 730 Eastern for The Curse of Oak Island, episode number 12. And we'll be talking about that. And then we also have Beyond Oak on again with Tom on Thursday right after that. So have a great rest of your week, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye now. bye.
1: Bye.
0: Hang on, Carmen. Don't hang up just yet.